0: We'll be on message number two on uh, building below the baseline or putting in a firm foundation. And of course, last week's message, I've likened this to uh, the four things you need for survival in this life, of course, if we was in a survival situation, like in the wild, maybe you were in a bad accident, uh, or uh, or <laughs> yeah, you're on a canoe trip out through the wilderness, and your canoe tips over and you lose everything, and uh, it's going to be a few days before they can come and get you, or before you can you go on down or walk yourself out of the woods. You're going to need four things. One, you're going to need water, fresh water. You can only live 72 hours without water. And Jesus is the water of life. Number two, you're going to need shelter. Uh, depending on what what the elements are around you, whether it's raining, uh, whether it's cold, you need shelter to protect you from the elements. So when you get into wind chills and getting cold or wet and having a wind chill, you could uh, die uh, as quickly From what I read in three minutes if the weather and the conditions are right. And I remember years ago, for my birthday, I would generally, uh, Morgan's canoe livery would let me have a canoe for free to rent. Instead of renting me a canoe, they would uh, take me on a canoe trip and they would drop me off I'd go fishing. But if the weather wasn't quite right, whatever the ambient or the, the air temperature was uh, with uh, the, the temperature of the water, I guess if that wasn't more than 98 degrees or something like that, you got to really watch For hyperthermia. Uh, If you tip over and get wet, it might be 60 degrees outside, but if you've got 45 or 50 degree water, you're in trouble. And you can ask me how I know that is because uh, the first thing I did was tip the canoe over. Everything got wet. The camera got wet, my fishing pole, and I'm soaking wet and I got a four mile trip. You can, you can tell I didn't fish a whole lot. I was paddling just to stay warm. By the time I got back to the truck, I was shivering, and I was in bad shape. It took me the rest of that day, and the next day, terrible birthday experience, hyperthermia. So it can happen. It can happen. So you need shelter, and we're going to deal with shelter today, which is the home. Uh, home is likened to a shelter, but then three, you would need food, Now, you can live 30 days without food, even though we don't want to, but you are somewhere at some point going to need some food. Uh, Food does many things for you. One, it gives you fuel, but two, it helps your emotional state. You got a little food in your belly. It doesn't matter, really, uh, if it's raining outside or what's going on. If you're warm and got a little food in your belly, you're good. But then, fourth, you're going to need fire. You're going to need a way to stay warm. You're going to need light in the darkness. And then you're going to need a way to cook food. So these are the four things you would need in a survival situation. Now, if you're in life, uh, there's men that are uh, experts when it comes to making it and uh, being financially successful like Dave Ramsey. He has something that he teaches on the four walls of life. Uh, which he says is food, shelter, uh, clothing, and transportation. Those are the four walls, Uh, especially if people get overwhelmed with debt. Let's say you lose your job and all of a sudden you lose your insurance and all of a sudden you're hit with medical bills. It can happen. It can happen. And about the time you get a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of medical bills and you, you exhaust your savings, they're coming after your stuff if you have anything. Uh, ask me how I know. Sometime, and so you'll have to make a decision on what to pay first, and what are the priorities: food, shelter. You're going to have to have something to eat. You've got to have a place to live, so that pays your rent, your home, home mortgage, uh, and then you're going to have to have clothing. You need clothing. You've got to have something to wear, and then you're going to need transportation so you can get to your job. Without transportation, you're no good. And I said last week, ladies, if you're thinking about Mr. Wrights and he does not have a way to provide those four things, he is not for you. You don't even need to give him a second look. And and young men, if you cannot provide the... And I'm not talking about getting them from your daddy. I'm talking, you need to be able, uh, by the time you're 18, to be able to buy your own food, provide your own shelter, On your own, and to be able to buy your own clothing, and to be able to have your own transportation. These are the four things you got to have and to make it in society. If you can't provide those four things for yourself, how in the world could you provide them for Miss mistying? That's the problem in our society. Uh, People are not building their homes on the solid rock. They're throwing out uh, uh, basic logic. They're throwing out the elements that our grandfathers and our mothers and fathers that we knew and we begin to try to teach or that we held to. And so today, well, uh, (laughs) ladies... And I, I know from personal experience because uh, I had some sisters. <laughs> if you got to go pick up your boyfriend for a date because he don't have a car, you got issues. Got issues. In my day, owning a car was a rite of passage. Uh, if you, and so when you turn sixteen. Uh, you You were going to buy your own car, and it was a, a sense of pride and accomplishment for you to be able to buy your own car as a young man. Now, girls are a little different, and you do things a little different for the for the ladies, but for young men, your daddy 's not always going to be around for you grandpa 's not always going to be there for you, and you need to be able to transition early. Before you get out on your own, learning how, because it's, it's okay to make some mistakes while you're still living at home. Uh-huh. Be, you know, Say the job falls through, or you don't have a job good enough to provide food, shelter, clothing, and transportation. Say, hey, uh, uh, I don't need that job. I need a different job. That's right. You need to be thinking about that now, 14-year-olds and 15-year-olds. What field? The Bible says that a young man needs to develop his field before he builds his house. Develop the field that you're going to work in. There's many, but I've got news for you. Now, I'm going to say something. I'm not politically correct. Flipping burgers is just not going to pay all those bills for the rest of your life. Unless you're going to manage about 20 stores. I, I understand you work your way up the ladder, but that is called an entry-level job. Uh, it's not ever meant to make a career out of. Uh, you need to be developing your field, and if that takes a little education, then you need to go get that education, but get it in a good field that you can work. I, somebody told me they wanted to be an electrician. Was that Lincoln? Lincoln wants to be at a good field, uh, young man. That You need to do that. You need to pursue that. you got to be a license. You can serve. Of an apprenticeship, and I'm going to tell you, you'll always be able to provide food, shelter, clothing, and transportation, and take care of a family uh, as an electrician. A plumber is a good job. Somebody else said they wanted to be into heating and air. That is a good trade. That's right, Braxton. Braxton, that is a good trade. Uh, you'll, you'll do well in that trade if you sincerely pursue it, and you will be able to provide those things and to provide for a family. That's what I'm talking about. Before you get out of the house, you don't need to wake up at 19 and then figure out like, well, I want to get married. Not if you don't have a way to provide. You know, so what the world does, the world says, well, let me find a roommate. It always starts out as a roommate. You know, let me find little Miss Thang because she's went to college. She's got a good career. She's probably an RN. I've worked construction my whole life. Most of the men I've worked with in my life, when I worked construction, all they needed was just enough money to buy, buy cigarettes and beers because their wives were executives, their wives were RNs and doctors. I don't know how that happened. Well, that is a disgrace. It's a disgrace. And it's not going to serve you well. So, young ladies, I don't care how good he looks. I don't care how many six-pack abs he has. He ain't got nothing. You need a half-barrel. <laughs> Keg. Half-barrel. That's, that's a man. <laughs> what y'all laughing about <laughs> Oh, I'm serious because what's going to happen you're going to fall in love and you're going to mess your life up for the next 20-30 years and you're going to try to wake up one day and you're going to figure out what happened I'm going to tell you what happened you did not pay attention to the four elements of survival and on top of that, when you get into a Christian, you're going to identify as a Christian. Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm going to be Christ-like. Then these are doubly important. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. And let's reread this text again, because this is where we're going to springboard from. And then we're headed to Genesis, eventually. Genesis chapter 2, because we're going to talk about the home. This is the second cornerstone in a proper foundation. Here's what the Lord said. He says, verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. Now remember, this is on the hills. The Lord said there's a broad way. There's an easy way. And then he said there's a straight and narrow way. And yes, he does mean narrow, and he does mean straight, but he says there's going to be people, the majority of people are going to go against the straight and narrow way, and they want the easy way. They want the broad way. That, If I get to it, that's the way of the floating foundation. We'll talk about that maybe a little bit. Instead of a stoned foundation, there is a thing in in construction called a floating foundation. And what that means is the ground you're getting ready to build your house on will not support the weight of a structure. And so you've got to put that thing in in such a way that the weight of the dirt that you take out and the weight of the structure you put in The weight of the structure cannot be more than the weight of the dirt you took out or it's going to sink. Hence, the Bible says that's built on sand. I've spent many years in construction. I remember walking in some of these new homes and uh, one time I was introduced uh, to this house that had a foundation, a big sump pump in the corner. I said, what's going on here? He said, we had to float this corner in. So what do you mean? He said, well, there's sand down here under this corner, and there's water. We hit a water table, and so we had to put in a floating foundation into this corner. It'll always be a problem in this home, but it's okay. Uh, you know, it's, it's been approved and had a, had a professional set it up. I'm like, man, I don't know if I'd want that. But somebody was having it built, and the house had to be right there in that spot, and so on and so forth. But the Bible says you don't want to install a floating foundation because at some point the rain's going to happen. some point the floods are going to come up. And like a home with a floating foundation, sump pumps do burn out. You don't want that to happen. You might wake up that the first floor is down where the basement used to be. So he says, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Yeah, amen. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not. So now you got this group that hears it, but they're not going to do it. Because they're getting a benefit out of the other way. Shall be likened unto a foolish man. I didn't say it, God said it. God said you're fool, foolish which built his house upon the sand. Now here's the problem with that. The rain's coming. You hear it raining this morning. But he's talking about trials and tribulations. But I'm going to add one because it's so true in light of what's happened this week. And the floods came. That's that mental turmoil. Late at night... When the demons come and you can't shut your mind off because of the mess you got going on, if you're not built on the solid rock, you're going to have some problems. And the winds blow and they beat upon the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Now let us pray. And let's talk about some of these things, and if the Lord will allow me, I'll preach some on this, but you need to pay attention to this second great cornerstone that is so important because it not only affects you as the mom and dad as an adult, it'll affect your children, and I'll show that to you from Scripture. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you. Now, Lord, help us today as we look into the Word of God, but now, Lord... I don't want to adopt an attitude of self-righteousness or, uh, or, or, cre- or, or or have an edge. I'm not trying to reprimand, but I am trying to enlighten. I understand the devil blinds people's minds to the light of the glorious gospel. I would like to be able to allow the, uh, the, the, the light to shine through that people can see and then make course corrections in their life so they can be better, Saints for you, in Jesus Christ's name, amen. As I said, you need four things to survive. In this Christian life, you're going to need four things to survive. And I've given them to you, I'll give them to you again. You're going to need the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything starts there. The Lord told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Your life is just not going to work right unless you're born again. Because this sets your geographical location, and it sets your doctrinal location. It helps you because as a child of God, you're going to have what we call a biblical worldview. That means you are a created creature and you were created for a purpose and that God has given you a rule book to teach you how that you are to run your life to keep you from experiencing a lot of the problems that people experience in life. A lot of times people put themselves through things that God never intended for them to go through. And then the whole time they're sitting there like, Oh, man, my, my life's so bad, Lord. Why'd you put all this on me? And the Lord's like, I didn't put none of that on you. Kind of like dying of thirst in the woods by a spring. <laughs> You know, because you didn't think drinking water was important. And so you're trying to build a fire the whole time you're dehydrating. There's an order to life. And so then you got the Christ, the chief cornerstone, the Bible says. Then you got the home. But then you got church. And then the last one is the ability to make right decisions. Because in this life, because each and every one of us are different, and there is just not one perfect mold that you can give everybody that is going to work out the same way every time, you need the ability to be able to make the right decision for the situation you find yourself in. And there's a biblical way to do that. And so, today, the second cornerstone, the foundation, is shelter. That is the second thing you're going to need in the Christian life. Shelter. Or you're not going to make it. Shelter. A home. Everything begins and ends here with Christ, but then the home is the sacred refuge of life. Noah Webster, 1828 Dictionary. I was amazed to find that definition there on home. Home is the haven of rest. I'm talking about the family. I'm talking about marriage. It should be the world that's chaotic. When you go to work, that should be where all the fuss and the muss is. But when you come home, there should be peace. And it should be a refuge. If you're dreading going home, there's a problem today in your home. And I got news for you. My home don't run like that. Jen and I will get out. We'll go do what we got to do. And we cannot wait to get home. We're like little groundhogs. We go out and then we like, oh, this is bad. If we, if we head to Severville and we see we get down there about hamricks and that traffic ain't right, I'm turning around, we're heading back home. I don't need that mess in my life. You don't want to know why? Because home is a safe haven for us. We enjoy each other's company. It's our foundation. It's, it's built upon a rock and we laugh and we have fun and there's peace. It's a haven of rest. And God intended it for it to be a haven of rest. If you got a bunch of fighting and a bunch of arguing and a bunch of muss, and a bunch of fuss, and, and it's just all, all you got to take pills just to deal with anxiety. You got a problem this morning. You're on a floating foundation. and the rain's fallen, And the floating foundation is all about a balancing act. You got to balance this and balance that and any little thing gets that thing out of balance. And I got news for you. It's going to crash. So God is the designer of marriage. God instituted it. Now, there was something I wanted. Yes, this is what I want. Go to Romans chapter 1. I know I told you I was going to, to Genesis and I'm heading there, but you need to go to Romans 1 because I need to share with you biblically why it's important to have this haven of rest, the second cornerstone. Because when it's not, when you don't have your home, and I'm talking about a man and a woman. Married, not living together, married. And we're going to go there and we're going to talk about that and we're going to show you how God designed this thing. And if you're claiming salvation in Christianity and that's not your situation, you're going to be miserable in this life and things are not going to work out right because you're denying the second element that you're going to need to be successful in this life, which is the home, a place of refuge to protect you from the elements. Now, here's why you want to do this, because it's not all about you. Most time when you get a man and a woman together and and they love each other, you're going to have fruit, and that fruit is children. And the Bible says that they're a heritage from the Lord. They're a gift. They're fruit of the womb. They're a gift from God. And here's what happens when you're claiming Christianity and say, oh, I'm a Christian, but you have floated your foundation in on the home. You got Jesus. But you're going to float this foundation in because there's a benefit in it for you. Verse 16, verse 17, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. That's what you begin to do as a parent who's decided not to be married. You're forbidding to marry. I don't want to do that, but I do need to live with somebody because I need a roommate to help pay me, pay the bills. So you're destroying the four elements of survival and you're compromising and so now you've brought children into the world and you're beginning to hold the truth and unrighteousness you know what's right you know how it's supposed to be but you are going to live unrighteously and you're holding the truth and unrighteousness now here's what that produces you're going to hurt children that are following you you're going to hurt them you're going to hurt them mentally why do you think when you go to divorce court, the judge wants to know which one of the two parties has the stable home? Yeah, there's something to it. Well, the Bible says when you hold the truth and unrighteousness, you know what's right, but you're going to float that foundation. Do You think your kids are so dumb that they don't know what's going on? You know what they're going to do? They're going to say, if you can do it, then I can do one better. Haven't well, all of us young men grow up saying, man, if dad does it, I'm going to do it. You ever try that, boys? <laughs> you ever? I'm not going to get my dad into trouble. <laughs> He's a slur word on the job with the boys. <laughs> I won't use that. It wasn't bad, but it's disrespectful. You don't call your wife the old lady. That's a gin. Oh, gin beats me for that bad. I got bruised. No, I'm just kidding. I'm on live stream. People take that serious. Do I look like I'm abused? <laughs> no, I'm not. But then that boy might hear that. And next thing you know, why? Because dad did it. I want to be like dad. I get this a lot. Dad smokes. You, not my dad, but fathers, you know, they're, they're lighting up. Man, it looks so cool, don't it? I mean, Man, there is, I know I'm on live stream, but there is nothing better than a fresh lit cigarette. I can't believe you say that. I don't smoke, but I'm telling you. And it's cool. My grandfather was better than the Marlboro man. Of course, he always smoked Salem's, had a cowboy hat and everything. He was so cool and so tough. I want to be like that. That's what your kids are going to do. And I've had parents come to me like, I can't believe my kid's smoking. You smoke? What do you think is going to happen? So you're holding the truth in unrighteousness, talking about living together, shacking up. And, and, and you're in the world's model instead of God's model. God never intended for it to be that way. And so here's what happens. You begin to change the truth of God into a lie, right to those children. And then this creates three problems. If you look there in verse 24... It creates an uncontrolled lust problem. Look at it there. Wherefore God also gave them up unto uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts. That's what begins to happen. Because you're going to hold the truth of God in unrighteousness. You're going to do what you want to do. You don't care what God said. Oh, you care, but it's convenient. Convenient. easy. And so those kids are sitting there. And I got news for you. If you don't get anything else that I say today, if you turn me off from here on, because I've done made you bad, the preacher will never out preach the parents in the home. I can preach as strong and as hard and as godly and as lovely as I can, and I will never out preach mom and dad in the home. It is a fact. Never. And so what you're going to create in your children is a, a lust problem. Uncontrolled lusts. And that's dangerous for teenage boys. You can't trust them with electronics, moms and dads. Uh, everything is too easily available. It's not like it was in your days and our days. You had to go buy a magazine if you wanted to see dirty pictures. Not today. And I'd be checking their game systems out too because there's a lot of things that not appropriate there. But it's going to create uncontrolled lust problems and you're the cause of it. Number two, you read down to about verse 26, it's going to begin to create vile affections. Verse 26, for this cause God gave them up to vile affections for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Because you're against nature, how God made it, they're going to say, well, I'm starting to, well, maybe I... Maybe little boys, I'm a boy, but I don't like little girls. I like boys. That's a problem. And it's a problem you've caused because you've been holding the truth and unrighteousness. It's right here. It's not all about you. This Bible says that no man liveth to himself or dieth to himself. Not even this pastor. Things I do, the things I say, the decisions I make affect other people but then after you get past the vile affections and the uncontrolled lust problems they begin and they develop a reprobate mind verse 28 that's a mind that no longer thinks right that's a mind that does not think right it's been turned over why do you think so many children today grow up to hate church hate church. It ain't because we're still playing the hymns. You want to know why? It's because mommy and daddy get in such a big argument and fight, a knockdown drag out, and then they're eating roast preacher, and they're eating roast deacon, and they're eating uh, roast a church member, and those kids sit there, and they're looking at it, and they learn to hate it because of that mental turmoil and that problem, all because you want to float a foundation in on the home. And it's not going to stand. Now, let's go to Genesis chapter 2, and I'm going to share with you how God set it up, and then I'm going to end with an illustration out of Luke 15 on why you need this stone. And it's very, very important. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Here's what God says, verse 18. Now, God defines male and female, two genders. Now, I'm not politically correct. Why? Because I'm going to stick with the Bible. What's wrong with our churches and what's wrong with so-called Christians is they've been indoctrinated by woke philosophy. They've been spoiled through a vain genealogy and a philosophy, worldly philosophies, and it's like milk. Once it spoils, it's no good. Let's get back to the book. Because it's not working out so good for the world. God made them male and female. God originated the home, that shelter, the second cornerstone of life. God instituted it. God made Eve from Adam's rib and brought her to Adam and He performs... The first wedding ceremony in the Garden of Eden. Verse 18. Let's read chapter 2, verse 18. He says, And the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. You'll find all in chapter 1, everything God makes, it was good. Everything was good. Everything was good. All of a sudden, he's looking and watching Adam, and he says, It's not good. What's not good? He's alone look what happens i will make him and help meet for him you want to know what the word help meet means it means completer help meet means completer well i couldn't even get my clothes to match right without jen we was having a good time with that this morning she asked me what i wanted to wear i said i don't know probably dress shirt i don't know you know how i am with color she's like i'm sorry i ask (laughs) yep you knew where that was going? I'd have bib overhauls on. I like bibs. And we missed our old fashioned day this year. I want to do it again this year. I like old fashioned day because I like bibbed overhauls. I know Jen do not like them, but I like them, they're comfortable he says, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam. to see what he would call them? And whatsoever Adam called them and called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found help helpmeet for him. That word helpmeet is completer. Flesh, you got the leaving, the cleaving, and the weaving. That's marriage. And if you've had marriage counseling with me, I've had you right here. It's how it's supposed to work. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. No, there's no shame in that between married folks. No shame there. Now, the crumbling of families. Today is a devastating problem in America. Crumbling families is a devastating problem in the church today. And it's led to a lot of immorality and sins of the baser sort. So what is God's purpose in marriage? Marriage is a beautiful thing and meant to be enjoyed. Number one, it's made for companionship. Adam was alone alone. And so marriage is made for companionship. God says it's not good that man should be alone. And all the ladies said, Amen. I can't trust him. I leave the house for a little while. I come back. There's dishes in the sink. Food left out. All sorts of nonsense. Dogs up on the furniture. (laughs) Companionship. God noticed Adam's loneliness. Every human being, now understand this now, has a physical need, has an emotional need, and has a spiritual need. Moms and dads, you should know this, the, the love language of your children. They have emotional needs. Many times children will reach out and go outside the home because of an emotional need that is not being met in the home. And I got news for you. If you're trying to float a foundation in in a home and you've got a hog pen in the home, those kids definitely are going to get out of there. That's a problem. It should be the other way around. Kids not want to leave home. But they need to at 18. They need to be out on their own, especially young men. Learn how to make it in this life. For completion. Verse 20. God made him a helpmeet. A helpmeet. To help meet his needs of friendship and companion. A helpmeet is a completer. And God designed the husband and wife, it's a shame i got to do this today, a man and a woman. Twenty years ago, I didn't have to clarify that. But you'll find in every inappropriate relationship, those two people, I don't care who they are and what gender they say they are, one of them will be identified as male and the other one will be female in that relationship, whether you've got two men, two ladies. And I, that's why I say you've got to clarify this. No, one man, one woman makes up marriage. Nothing else is right because God created it, God instituted it, and yeah, you can float that in, and the devil has his way, and the devil has what he likes, but not God's children. It's not helped us to look at it the other way. We need to stick with God's way. So He made marriage for companionship, for completion, but then for continuation. He tells them to be fruitful, to multiply, replenish the earth. Of course, Psalms 127.3, I quoted it once, but I'll give it to you. Children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. We're to pass down the truths of God to our children. We're to model ministry and right living before them by how we act in our homes. And your home should be a Bible institute. You should be discipling your children in a home. Having family altar. That's how God set it up. And it's your job to teach those children, not the school system's, Not the pastor. If they're going to lay in the world, and the world's way, and then your home is not right, there's not much I can do for them, even if you bring them to church. I can't out-preach the parents in the home. Now, why do we need marriage God's way? Why do we need this second cornerstone? Why is it so important? Take your Bible to Luke 15. Now, I know I've been multiple places, but it's very necessary what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be nasty. But I am trying to shed a little light on this. So you got something to be thinking about in your home. And I've tried to lay this out in such a way. Let's say your home is a mess. Let's say your life is a mess. You can start today laying that foundation right. You can start today. You can get her done today. Forget about what's in the past. Get it right today and move forward for God. And I'm going to share with you why. Luke 15, everybody knows about this passage. This is about the prodigal son. I will tell you this, you can do everything right in the home and a child still choose to go out and to partake in riotous living. You could do everything right. You could cross every T, dot every I, and that child turn 18 and say, I don't want this. And choose to leave. That's what the prodigal son did. The dad taught him, if you break this down, and I'm not going to take the time to get in depth, I'm just going to show you a little something from this passage. This father made a priority out of work and providing instead of partying. The boy wanted to party. The father says, work. You need to work. You need to learn how to provide food, shelter, clothing, and transportation. For in those days, it had been a donkey or a horse or a camel but you need to be able to make it in life. And the boy says, no, I don't want to work all my young life and then then try to, to retire and then try to live as an old person. I want to live my best years now, and then I'll worry about the future. I don't care about that. And so the boy says, give me my living. The father, he was a provider. He divided it up for him. That speaks of love. And that boy left and went to a far country and wasted his substance on riotous living. Now, we don't have to get in depth on what riotous living in. It's the party scene. It's the drug scene. It's the shacking up scene. It's let's let's party, let's eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. We don't care about tomorrow. Let's live for the moment. His father didn't teach him that. You know what happened? The rains came. You know what happened? The flood came. Famine come. Then, oh, you know what happened? The wind began to beat on this boy, and look at him here. He says, uh, verse 16, And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave to him. That's right. He's begging, living in a hog pen, trying to steal food from the hogs. Look what happens. Verse 17, And when he came to himself, That's an important statement in your Bible. That's called the awakening. Every individual has to go through that. There'll be a day when you come to yourself. This boy came to himself. There he is in a hog pen. Starving to death. He don't have shelter. He don't have food. But look what he does. He says... How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? He knew his dad was a provider, and his dad even provided for the servants that worked there, and they were living good lives on that farm. This boy starts remembering some things. You want to know why? This father had the first cornerstone, the Lord Jesus Christ, but he had the second cornerstone. He had a home. It was founded on a solid rock. And yes, that boy grew up and left, but now the mental turmoil is coming in, and that was affected by his stomach. He's starving to death, and it hits him. Man, my daddy's got plenty of food. You want to know why we don't have many prodigals today? There's no home to go back to. There is nobody in their right mind that will trade one hog pen for another hog pen. It is important, mommies and daddies, that you stay together, but you're married. You need to be married before God because life is going to deal some hard blow to every individual. And one day, if that child chooses to go off to riotous living they're going to come to themselves and they're going to say you know what my old pappy wasn't too dumb after all where do you think I was hidden when everything went south down here about 10 11 years ago oh there was already a place for me in the father's house that's a comforting thought This boy went home because the father had laid a foundation on the solid rock. He had a marriage. There was a home there. He had raised those boys right. And he comes back home. But if you think your children are going to come back and you've got a hog pen there, you can think again. It is important that you have this shelter because it's not about you. I think one of the worst things that you can experience in this life is a feeling of abandonment. You take a mother and a father, a man and a woman who have some children, and then they abandon those children. Somewhere down life's road, if that individual, because he's learning by what was modeled in the home, really didn't set his home up, There's coming a day when he's going to come to himself. And he's going to need to go home. There's not going to be a home there for him to go to. Chances are he'll either die of starvation or take his own life. You know, I don't say a whole lot about my years between 18 and 21. I don't try to glorify people living wrongly, but I left home at 18. I thought my ways were better. Now, my father transitioned me at 15. He taught me how to provide my food, shelter, clothing, and transportation. I owned two vehicles the time I left home, paid for. And I pulled out, got me an apartment. Actually, mom and dad got me an apartment, found it, and I started living life. And the first thing I did was turn a cold shoulder on church because I just didn't think we needed that much church. Second thing I did was I just don't think I'll read my Bible today. And one day turned into two days, three days, four days, weeks, months. I just don't need to pray. Pray. I began to discover life as an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, working construction, working hard, wanting to play hard. With daddy issues because I'd been living a, a sheltered life, you know. Just I couldn't do anything. Drugged to church, you know. I had all the lingo down. And so I started messing up. Messing up. Doing things I shouldn't do, like running around, doing a little drinking, thought I was cool. My path started going down the wrong road. I was raised in a Christian home, but my mind began to bother me. It was God, I was under conviction. And I come to myself, I said, if I continue down this, I'll be like the rest of this messed up world, shacked up. I wasn't, but I was headed down that path. And God was an afterthought. And the rain came. And the flood started coming. Some things happen. I called old dad. Funny how that happens. I actually called mom. It was mom. Told her, and mom said, I'll tell you what you need to do. She said, You need to listen to your mother. Okay. She says, pack your stuff up in your vehicles and you get home. You're done. That's what I did. But I had a home to go back to. I knew where my dad was at 4 30 every morning, sitting in the corner reading his Bible, praying. I knew where my mom was around 5 o'clock every morning, in the kitchen making breakfast. I was missing meals. <laughs> Found out that money didn't go as far as I thought it should. But I knew there was some food there at the father's house. And so I did. I packed up that old 67 Ford truck and took off. Dad said, we'll come back Monday and you can pick your car up. I did. I loaded everything I had. I didn't have much and went home. Why? Because my father and my mother made it a point to have that cornerstone in life. I had something to go back to. To orient myself, moms and dads, you're going to have to have marriage God's way. You're going to have to have a firm foundation because your children are going to need it one day when they grow up. And this world's not getting easier to live in. It's getting harder. Now, some of you might not have a mom and dad to go to, Home to, and I, 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 that breaks my heart. I was even talking to my dad the other day. Dad called me at about two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. Dad said, you always got a place here. You stick around because next week I'm going to tell you and show you from the Bible the importance of church. Because sometimes people don't have what I've enjoyed in my life. A father and a mother. Been married over 50 years. I'm 53. They've been married 54 years. I can't relate to that. I don't know that I could make it through the mental trauma that would put you through. And I got news for you. When the flood comes, sometimes people choose to end their life. It's important to stay together. It's important to have this cornerstone right in your life, the home, a marriage, a man and a woman, married. And then you work at it. Marriage takes work. Because one day your children are going to need that. And you don't want to set them on a path of ungodliness. And leave them to succumb to the elements of this life. Let's all stand.